As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and today we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of U.S. men's national team. I feel like it's been a long time since we did that. There are lots of players doing lots of things. I am able to keep track of a small percentage of them. Today's guest, a much larger percentage. It's Brian Sharetta of American Soccer. Now, Brian, it is great to have you back on the show. As always, Taylor, thanks so much for having me back on. It's been too long. It has, it has. But we're going to remedy that now, easy for me to say, by talking about uh, a lot of Americans for a very long time. I do have roughly 500 or so I want to get to. Not really. (laughs) A a slightly smaller number. But I want to jump right in. We're recording this late Monday night with the transfer window in Europe now closed. One deal I believe was like sort of finalized, still kind of confused, uh, was Brendan Aronson joining RB Salzburg in January. Two questions there. The first one, uh, do you like this step in his career? Yeah, I absolutely do like the step in his career. Um, you know, he put in his, you know, when you look at his progression with what he did between last year and this year, um, it was really impressive. I mean, um, hey, he's staying for the rest of the year, which mm-hmm. I like. I mean, I like finishing the job. I like competing for titles. Um, I like, you know, particularly continuing that bond with your hometown team. That's very important, especially, you know, and, uh, you know, he has a lot of ties with Philadelphia. His brother's going to be joined, is already. He'll be joining the Philadelphia Union first team sooner than later. So there's a lot of good things to do. And um, But, A, I also didn't think he was ever going to really make inroads with the first team till the Austrian Bundesliga winter break. Mm-hmm. So you might as well stay around. And, and you have a manager over there who values, you know, winning the MLS Cup and winning MLS Cup. And not that he ever did it, but, like, and then um, <laughs> uh, and, and valuing that competition and uh, and wanting to see that kind of progression, too. So, uh, that's all very good. But, you know, in terms of his, you know, he grew in physical size and stature and, and um, between his first year and second year, he can go full 90s easily. Um, you know, and I think it's ready for the next challenge up. Um, and uh, I, I, yeah, I hope Philadelphia, I hope, I hope he has a really good chance to win it. I mean, and, and Philadelphia's been very good to him and he's been very good to Philadelphia. It's been a great relationship. And, and this is how you kind of want to see these things go, um, you know, 
a nice transfer fee, um, a move abroad. Everyone's on good terms. It hasn't yeah. always been that way. So this is this is this is really good. And I think he's going to do well. Um, Jesse, I don't think is going to be his manager for just beyond this season. You have anticipated my next question of if yeah, Jesse no, no, Marsh no. would well, still be Jesse, there in January. If Jesse stays into his third year, he'll be the first manager in like 26 years at Salzburg to do that. And um, yeah, I think big thing, you know, so I don't think they ever plan on Jesse coming back for a third year. He's that good. But uh, look, your first six months are a lot of times are often the, the, the most challenging year, you know, time to move abroad. So he's going to have Jesse there, a familiar face to do it. And um, yeah, so there's a lot of things I like about this move. Uh, sticking with MLS for a moment, obviously Brendan Aronson has impressed. Who else has impressed you the most, has either kind of raised their stock a little bit when it comes to the U.S. men's national team or has already had their stock high, but now it's even higher? Basically Jordan Morris or whomever else? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, Jordan Morris is a national team starter in an era when the team is getting better. Like, you know, I haven't seen a convincing argument that that he shouldn't be a starter, even as, like, most of these players are Champions League caliber. He's, you know, he he has that speed element. I mean, if you look, for example, like when Gia Reyna, like assisted mm-hmm. twice to Erling Holland, like, like who, you have to think like who's going to be on the receiving end of that for the national team? Who has that kind of speed and stuff like that? And mm-hmm. not saying Jordan's the Holland level of player, but like, you know, Josh Sargent's just a completely different striker. He won't he won't really provide that element, but Jordan will um, to the best extent, you know. That can be replicated, um, which n- very few people in the world can. But you know, in terms of stylistically, it, it makes sense. Um, you know, I, I think Jeremy Abobasi. I think is you know, unfortunately, got his his game was postponed um, from the weekend with COVID. But Jeremy's um, done very very well. Quietly, just increased his stock um, throughout the throughout the year. Um, he, and he's a good forward too, target forward, great in there. I, I like it. And, uh, you know, and then there's some guys, you know, who really, you know, obviously Jeremy's probably the starting U23 forward and qualifying Jordan's a national team starter. But in terms of guys who really haven't gotten noticed yet, I mean, Chris Mueller um, really strikes me as a good player. Um, and, and he can, um, uh, you know, he can pass very, very well. He's combining with his teammates. He's got Nani there and um, he's an assist machine. I mean, tw- seven goals and five assists is, is are very good numbers, and for an Orlando team that's mm-hmm. that's growing. And Ioak Nola is another forward who's moving very well in the box. He's shown me a lot more since his 17 days. He used 17 days. He's, I was always worried about his fitness. He he looks you know for superbly fit um, and moving very well. And and that run in the box on the header to beat Mark McKenzie, who's another very good defender, was just superb. So th- those are guys I think. Um, uh, you know who who are, could hold their head up high right now and and um, and, are, and are impressing me and then Buzio too with his move to the six, uh, you know he's a, he's a very good passer in Kansas City's midfield. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys I really like in MLS. You know a couple of guys I've gone back and forth. Now I'm in the in camp again like Hassani Dodson. I went back and forth with them. I, I like them a little bit more now and um, so we'll see. I mean, but these yeah. are all good things and. Um, and I'm sure, you know, there's going to be more names coming up because, look, you know, two years ago, you know, Brendan Aronson didn't make the U20 team. And, and, and a lot of people thought that was the right call. Now, I think he's passed over guys like Alex Mendez and, and many others. So, you know, it, it, as is the age when you're when you're trying to cover these people, you have to be very flexible in terms of how you judge these people, because, you know, people's stocks can rise and fall very, very quickly, no matter what league you play in. 
Do you think the key for Greg Berhalter, if he were to go with Ayo Akinola, if Ayo Akinola were to go with the U.S. men's national team, is it to like handcuff him and Josie Altador a la Toronto so that when one is injured, the other can play? I mean, yeah, I think you got to look at style and what what people bring to the table. There's always a, you know, when you when you look, he's a backup right now, any way you slice it. And and I was having a debate with this with, with, a, with a, a scout, and, and it comes down to like. Who do you want your backup? Do you want your backup to be able to offer something different to give you versatility, or do you want your backup to look like like the um, the, the starter in terms of stylistically, so you know you don't miss a beat if, if they go down? And, and it's kind of like a philosophical question. Like, so if you take the twenty three team, U twenty three team for example, I like to look at that because I think the twenty three team is going to be a huge springboard um, and a transition to the first team. You know, once all said and done, I mean, this November window is going to come and go. You know, you'll, you'll see some interesting names on there, and then and then you won't know what to do with them really, because then the full then the, everyone's going to be back in the same pool, and um and uh, and and then they, and then where are you going to where are these guys going to stay involved with the U.S. team? And the twenty threes is a great avenue. So you look at the twenty threes, um, and you don't include guys like Sargent Adams, you know, the the, the Champions League kind of guys. Well, not like Sargent is there, but like the. You know what I'm that talking about. Yeah, so yeah, anyway, just... yeah. So if you say Abobasi is like the starting forward, who do you want the backup to be? If it's DK, you know, then then you have a guy who's kind of plays a little bit like Abobasi. But then if you bring him around like Akinola, it's it's very different. So it comes down to like a philosophical question. I mean, I don't think you know Josie hasn't really impressed me that much this year. Like, um, you know, there's been times he's drifted too far out of games, and now he's hurt again. And and Akinola is a, is a very different player. Um, you know, even when Josie was Akinola's age, they're just very different, different stylistically. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Akinola, I don't really think has like that. That you know, Josie could always hit him from distance um, pretty well. Like he's, he's, and then on top of it, he could score down low. I mean, he was very versatile in the mm-hmm. way he could score, especially his old, you know, Red Bull days. Um, but you know, Akinola, he's he's changed a lot from his U seventeen days, and even when Tab had him with the twenties, he could just move. He's moving very well in the box. He's he's athletic. He doesn't have quite like the, the height that Josie did and, and the power, but, you know, he's, it, it's exciting. You know, I don't think you should look, when you're looking at these young players and say, like, you know, stylistically, where are they going to go? You just kind of have to um, bring them into camp a few mm-hmm. times and then see how they fit in and see how they're combining with everybody. Um, but, you know, there, there's a lot of good young players in this league, so it's going to be really exciting. Uh, last I heard with Ayo Akinola, he was eligible for between two and 40 other national teams, but really <laughs> just the United States, Canada, and I believe Nigeria. He's played That's for the right. U.S. at youth level, obviously. The reports I saw were that both Canada and Nigeria have reached out to him about maybe playing for them. Uh, how undecided do you think his future actually is? Um, you know, Unlike Daryl DK, which I mentioned earlier, you know, Nigeria is a real possibility with him. I mean, his... You know, I remember his brother played for Toronto and Portland and, and ended up playing for the Nigeria's national team. So his ties there are stronger. Um, you know, I think Canada's just enticing um, because their, their current young generation is, is something to be part of. And, and he spent a lot, a lot of time in Canada. And there's still minutes to be had. Like, um, there's every, I mean, I think he could compete for, he's, you know, Jonathan Davids hasn't, I know he's been off to a poor start at Lille, but, um, you know, I think he could overtake like Kyle Lahren, um, you know, for for the for the second position if he's if he's if he plays well. So you know, there's a, there's a lot of um, a lot of variables at play. You know, and um, playing in Toronto, surrounded by that media, 
you know, sometimes it, you always have an advantage, you know, if the guy's living in that country um, and living in its biggest city and surrounded by the media to represent that country. Um, and look, Canada is very much improving, too. They're, they're, and they're going to be hosting, you know, co-hosting the World Cup in 2026, too. So, you know, you don't have to worry about qualifying, you know, at least for that one World Cup. So there's a lot of good arguments for him to, to go to Canada, too. But I think he's I, I mean, I think it's the U.S. has so many question marks at striker. Um, you know, and he knows he's played with so many of these these really good young American generation too at the youth levels. It's a coin flip. I mean, I interviewed him uh, too. He sounded genuinely undecided, but I mean, the, the U.S. was in first, I think, with him. So that's going to be. Um, and Greg Peralta, I believe, has singled him out there in at least um, one interview that I saw. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, he sh- I think he's probably going to stick with the U.S. for a little while. There's not, it's a long time before he can get permanently capped out unless he follows a one-time switch, and then he's done. So as long as we're talking about goal scorers with connections to the U.S. men's national team, I want to uh, read for people a quote from one of your recent articles. You wrote a preview of Americans in Action this past weekend. Obviously, you wrote a review of those games as well, both in MLS and in Europe. Uh, of the European players, here is your quote. There is no American forward more in form right now than Hammermies Aaron Johansson. Uh, mm-hmm. That sort of genuinely stunned me for a moment because I sort of forgot about Aaron Johansson entirely. Where is he playing now and how has he been able to recapture such good form? You know, I just think, A, a little bit of luck, B, a little bit of um, uh, maybe maybe his people's body evolves. Mm-hmm. That's when I interviewed him his, his recently. His, you know, he was talking about how his body's changed. Um, you know, he's worked on a lot of different things. Um, you know, so th- that's all well and good. I mean, look, he's going to be, um, in one month from now, he'll, he'll be turning 30. That's not necessarily, you know, ancient history. I think it could be a good bridge option. He's not like a, the long-term option that, that he once was, but, you know, if you're waiting for like guys like Akinola, Bobasi, DK and, and Giochini and, and, and Khan and all these other promising, you know, uh, young forwards, maybe Soto, um, you know, it, he could give you, provide the U.S. with time to get to that point um, and provide a still option. He's still very mature, very slick in the box. He's playing for Hammerby in mm-hmm. Sweden. Um, you know, he went there because, you know, he pretty much had four years of just very little playing time at Werder Bremen. And, um, and uh, you know, he, he was looking for an option where he could just get on the field and and. and and know that you know there's going to be always competition for for starting spots, but one that he could feel good about winning as long as he was healthy. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, I know he didn't score over the weekend, but coming into that game, he had eight goals in nine games, um, nine Alston's Alston's games. Not bad at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's been doing really well, and it's never been. You could talk about the level of play, and sure, like Sweden, I I think is below MLS in, in a lot of respects, and uh, at least certainly from top to bottom, and. Um, you know, and it's not, it's not the Bundesliga or even um, you know Holland and all, all these other leagues he's played in. But the same point, it's not, he he's there not because of he's a subpar player. It's just because he needed a point to prove when he was healthy. Now when he's healthy, he he needs to be expected to dominate a league like that, and he has. So the skills there, it's just a question of him staying healthy. And 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 the word of the law is a word of caution is it's still only been a couple of months, but. It just shows you what he can be if when he is playing well, when he is healthy. 
if he does stay healthy, if he keeps this current form roughly going, maybe not at this pace, but something uh, akin to it, how realistic is it to think that he will be playing for the U.S. men's national team again? I mean, I, I would I would bet on it for November. Okay. Um, you know, that's going to be an experimental roster, and then you bring in Sargent. And then really, you know, it's it comes down to, uh, let's say if it's just a European-only, you know, cla- you know mm-hmm. um, list of players, uh, you know, you know, Tim Way as a winger forward, you know, part of me and this, you know, people are so looking forward to seeing him back. Part of me thinks he might be better just staying with his team and doing what he can to earn minutes. Yep. Um, you know, Soto's, he had a, two goals games in the second division of Holland, and um, that's still pretty unproven. But in that, this first game against professionals, I mean, G- and Nicholas Giochini is a player I really like. I think he comes in. But even then, it, it's two. That That's two players, you know, and then for certain. And then, why wouldn't you want to call him the hottest and most informed striker that American striker in Europe, like at any level? Like, why would you just want to at least, you know, kick the tires and see what's there in camp? Uh, I mean, I know Novakovic is there. I shouldn't overlook him, too. But, um, you know, something about, um, uh, you know, Johansson just strikes me as like a guy that like, you know, these guys all don't have don't have to be like 22 years in and younger, you know, 22 years old and not younger. Like, they're, you know, sometimes you have to think about winning games in the here and now and, and, and who can be good for that. And, yeah. um, you know, Johansson, you know, checks boxes. I just think you can't ignore numbers like that. He's not 37. He's 29. Um, I also, I know we're talking about there being, like, a more domestic roster and then a European roster, but I do long for one day us getting a link up in midfield to the attack of Brendan Aronson and Aaron Johansson. I, I just need that sort of <laughs> repetition of sound to make my world well, good. Not the, not the play-by-play announcer. Really <laughs> yeah, tough, maybe tough, not. Tough. <laughs> um, it, uh, you mentioned him earlier. Uh, the other kind of forward who would be in that conversation would be Josh Sargent. He started for Werder Bremen in their 1-0 win over Armenia Bielefeld. I have not watched much of Bremen since their season opener because it felt like more of the same from last season, and I wasn't really sure I could handle that. Uh, I'm assuming you have seen more of him than I have. Are there reasons for optimism? Uh, is he? Have you seen him improve in these first couple games, or is it more of the same from Werder Bremen? Not much supply, not many opportunities. Yeah, I mean, he's he's it's still over 90 minutes it's he's still not getting like 30 touches you know sometimes mm-hmm. he's dripping into the 20s which is which is low i think he got over 30 last game um you know still, he had the one assist against Schalke, and, and and the benefit really is is this year is is you take the bundesliga okay um and then you figure Schalke is going to get relegated yeah. and then you just have to beat out one other team to avoid automatic relegation so um you know just obviously getting you know uh you know, points against Schalke and points against newly promoted teams like Armenia really puts a, a team in, in good shape to be not one of the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, unfortunate that that's like, you know, so Verders, they, they've taken they've done what they've had to do, which is the bare minimum. But they've done it uh, for a successful start to the season. Um, you know, he, he's coming close a little bit. Um it hasn't matched the preseason. Uh, you know, he was strong in the preseason, but, just, you know, it's a learning lesson. I mean, preseason can be very misleading um, on a lot of different levels. Uh, but, yeah, I think he's uh, he's good, but the goals still need to come. At some point, you know, he's he's got to look to getting um, at least pushing towards double digits at some point. Um, and, and, yeah, the service isn't there. It's tough to watch. Uh, 
But, um, you know, it's funny when I interviewed Aaron Johansson, he's like when he's in the right. He, he was telling me about Josh because they know each other well. They were teammates. And he was telling me, like, you know, in the right environment, the right service, he, he's going to he's going to be do big things. It's just it's just that 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 service hasn't really been there from him. But, you know, it, 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 part of that's also, too, is, is, is him learning to get away from defenders and, and, and get those open shots, too. And he's still very young, but it's it's tough to it's tough to learn in a. You can learn a lot mentally in a relegation fight like he was last year, but in terms of where you want to be as a high-end player, that's a tough place to learn. Much, much more still to come from my conversation with Brian Charetta. But first, let's talk about HelloFresh. HelloFresh offers convenient delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make with simple steps and pictures to guide you along the way. They said family doesn't have to be family. Maybe you want to just practice your cooking on your own. Maybe you want to get a little bit better at your culinary skills in a time of quarantine and isolation and social distancing. Maybe you just want to prep that way. Learn to cook so that once you're around people, you can have a big dinner party have people over and impress people with the style of your cooking, you could go that route. And HelloFresh's gourmet recipes make it easy to look like you know what you're doing. Uh, They've got, for example, balsamic fig sirloin. Uh, Those meals are over 60% cheaper than an average meal out, so you can enjoy a restaurant-quality dinner for less and cooked by you. Restaurant-quality but cooked by you, that basically means you're Gordon Ramsay. That's what I'm hearing. You are Gordon Ramsay now because of HelloFresh. Gordon Ramsay does have a variety of menu options. So too does HelloFresh, which is my favorite thing about them when I've used them in the past and when I use them again. Uh, I like the idea of getting to cook things I wouldn't otherwise usually cook using ingredients I wouldn't otherwise usually use. And speaking of the ingredients, it's nice to know that you're using the exact right amount. There's nothing worse than having like leftovers that you're not going to be able to use in terms of like cooking scraps or maybe a piece of pork that you're not cooking and now you feel like, ah, I wasted that. That's not great. HelloFresh is sending you the exact amount you need to make everything easy, which again, I have always appreciated. And I will also own the fact that when I cook, I tend to add on and keep like evolving the meal and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's not really great. With HelloFresh, it kind of keeps it simple, so I'm straightforward. I'm checking the list. I'm ticking off the boxes. And then in fairly short order, there's a meal there. That's always very good. Also good to save a little bit of money. If you go to HelloFresh.com slash ADTSS, you can use the code ADTSS to get a total of $80 off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. One more time, that's HelloFresh.com slash ADTSS, and use code ADTSS to get a total of $80 off across five boxes, including free shipping on that first box. Thank you very much to HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode of the Total Soccer Show. Now back to Brian Sharetta. It has been a while since we saw the U.S. men's national team play a game. From my recollection, uh, which is, I'm being genuine here, this is how I remember it, uh, Greg Berhalter, like, there's a reason why he likes Giassi Zardes. He likes kind of mobile strikers who I think will do uh, unselfish runs and put in a lot of effort to open up opportunities for other people and then ideally finish some chances. I think you alluded to this earlier, Josh Sargent doesn't necessarily fit that model precisely. Are there things that you think he needs to work on or, or drastically improve to be more of a Burhalter striker, or do you think Greg Burhalter is willing to sort of adjust the game plan a little bit to accommodate Sargent's uh, other strengths? Yeah, you know, I mean, Sargent would have been really good back when the U.S. Um, did um, you know had played under the old four four two system? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not. You know, it, it's it's tough. You got to kind of go with systems that fit majority of the players. You know, if they're all, you can't really, you know. You know, and this is gonna be kind of interesting. It's tough to really even talk about the U.S. national team because they like the pool player pool hasn't been there in, in yeah. such a long time, and 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 everything's changed right now. But like 
back when you saw him, like, and you were talking about having, well, you have a number six that's really like a quarterback and, and the right back that pinches in. And it's like, you know, I always had my doubts about that just because you can't get overly – national team soccer is so different than club soccer. If you're like a club, mm-hmm. a club, you can play like that. You can get very complicated because – you're with these players weeks and months on end and, and, and the, but when you're, it's like, but, uh, but a, a, a national team environment's very, you know, sprint oriented. Like the, the rosters change from call up to call from camp to camp. There's always like people who come in and out of the team. And, and then, and then if you're too complicated, when, when are you going to take the time to learn, learn it, learn how to play that way. Um, but you know, I think Josh is, is good. I think it's going to come with time. I mean, I think, um, it's uh, you know I think just being able to move in the box and 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 get open for these shots is is good. But look, I mean, physically he's very strong too, and um, and, and he can outmuscle a lot of defenders. So yeah, I you know I I think his chances of succeeding are very good. I mean I think you know when he gets to the national team and he's getting you know balls from you know Morris or. Or uh, Girena, or you know Pulisic and McKenney and Adams and 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 who know who else even knows who's you know who will be out there at, at any given time too. Um, that's better than anything he's going to get at Bremen. So um, you know it, it, it's all just kind of predicting things that really you have no recent knowledge of. So it's like all ancient history. But you know there's there's reasons to suggest you know to think um, uh, he's going to do uh, quite well. Um, you know, when he gets into the national team environment. You're totally correct, and yet it's still a strange thing to think about that a player playing in the Bundesliga could come back to the U.S. men's national team and be like, okay, this is what it's like to play with like good players who provide service. I'm still not yeah. really ready to feel like the United States is in that position, and yet it does feel like they are. It's a general question. It's a much bigger question, uh, and one I was prepared to ask you later on, but I'm going to ask you now. Is this the most excited you personally have been about the national team pool, or have there been other players or other sort of generations that you felt like this is the group that really could go far? Because it does seem like we've got with the players playing where they are with some of these biggest clubs, it does feel like we're at a new level. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think when you um, there's still a lot of work to go. I mean, because I, I what I've been calling about talking about and writing about mm-hmm. is you have the big five, really. You know, you have. Pulisic, McKenney, Adams, uh, Dest, and Reyna. Um, and after that, even with Richards starting for Bayern, like I mean, that was a fill-in start. Like those yeah. guys are, those guys are are different. I mean, they're they're Champions League start. They're starters for genuinely. Cha- and after that, it's there's a there's a there's a lot of um, mix-ups. Uh, there's a lot of uh, not mix-ups. There's it, 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 it's it, 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 it's a lot of uncertainty yeah. among mm-hmm. a lot of positions that are. In that role, I mean, you have Brooks, who has been great the first three games of the Bundesliga season. I mean, is the uh, only Wolfsburg's only give up one goal um, in three games, and, and Brooks has been a big part of that. But you know, you have a guy who goes through big swings of up and down, and um, it drives uh, you know I think uh, managers crazy. I mean, there's there's times when his when Wolfsburg or whatever or Hertha before that was they loved them, and there's other times they just couldn't wait to get rid of him. Like it's it, he's a he's a you know so you have a lot of questions. Every other position, even goal ten, even goalkeeper, mm-hmm. which you know is never, and forward, and and so you don't know, you know it's exciting, and then you and then you you know and then you look at these players, and then you want to see okay, well how are they going to do together? Because uh, that has yet to be tested too. And on top of it, like 
if anything, the last year has taught us is with 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 all these injuries is that have the, the chances of having all these guys together um, healthy at yeah. one particular time is is very small. Yeah. You have to. That's why everyone's so into doing like these. They're like their best eleven national teams. I was like, okay, but it's like it's it's science fiction at this point. We don't even know. Like, I mean, it's we don't know uh, the backups at all these positions. You're gonna always you're gonna have to say, okay, what what can the national team do? Let's say if there's no Pulisic, or if there's no Adams, or if any of these guys, you have to be, or maybe two of them, you have to be prepared to do with that. In terms of excitement, you know, look, the the 2002 team was 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 tremendously exciting. I mean, the, you had the, that team. You just didn't. You had to throw out the clubs that these guys played for, and just look at like the attitudes on these guys. Mm-hmm. Like the attitudes of these guys. A, they were all a little bit older. they were, most of them were in their prime, like Reyna, Pope, um, Mathis. But like you had a guy, a bunch of guys like that that would, that would just look like they just wanted just to like take on the world, and and they didn't care. I mean, and it was it was it was really unique. I mean, like Clint Mathis was still, you know, um, in playing in New York. But you've, when you watched him, I've never seen an American player domestically, including Donovan, just like with that level of excitement. I used to go to these games here in New Jersey, and, and you couldn't like not watch the guy play. I mean, he'd go take on three guys, three, three or four defenders at one time and win most of the time. It was unbelievable. Then he went out and did it in the World Cup. Um, you know, it didn't last. It was lightning in, lightning in a bottle. But then like guys like Frankie Hayduck, they had, they had the role players. Like you knew exactly like – the backups were so good on that team too. It didn't matter that Claudio Reyna, the team captain, was not available to go in the opener against Portugal with Luis Figo. Like, I mean, you know, so that would be the equivalent of like Weston McKinney or Tyler Adams now being out and then still being able to fire on all cylinders. They did. And Pablo Mastroni, who was only still with Miami at the time, went out and shut down Luis Figo, who was yeah, the reigning, reigning FIFA player of the year. So you had those backups, and, and right now it's like, it's like okay, you have those core five guys, but then there's the, the other guys might still be at good clubs, but there's still so many questions up and down the lineup about about this team that it's trending in the right direction, but um, there's it, it's it's uh, <laughs> it, there's a lot of work to do. Let's put it that way, and and, and it's a good thing I think that um, that qualifying is not is not starting as, as soon as. Um, uh, it's it, that's being pushed off a little bit because the team needs some games. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, with the, that big five you mentioned, Pulisic, McKinney, Adams, Dest, Reyna, who is the player that you personally like most enjoy watching that you find yourself making time to watch over the weekend for whatever reason? Um, you know, I, I like um, Tyler. A, you know, I, I just because I've seen him play more than everybody else in person, just because uh, I'm based in 
New Jersey, and, and I, I was at the game when, when he scored against Chelsea, you know, his first coming out game and then uh, in that friendly. And then um, and it only got better from there. But what I like about him is, is, is A, there really is nobody else in the national team who, who, who can do what he does. That's, you know, of all the guys that I mentioned who are the most indispensable, um, it's him. Like, I, I think the national team is in deep trouble without without Tyler Adams. I mean, I don't think there's a way you can find plan B and play play the same way. You're going to have to maybe shift to, like, two defensive midfielders or something because the, the amount of ground he can cover is something. The way he can, you know, he knows where all of his teammates are on the field and he can, you know, he can, even watching him, for example, in, like, the USL final and semifinals, I was at that when he was still breaking through, he just made everybody else better, and then and then he just kept. Then he went to the first team at the Rebels. He did that, and then he went on to the first team almost immediately at at uh, Leipzig and did the same thing. And it's just like it's the kind of guy who can have the same kind of effect from club to club, level to level, um, age to age. And don't get me wrong, the other guys are all better attackers. They're more, you know, they're they're more goal scoring threats and stuff like that too. But Adams can warn, win that turnover, hit long balls, and just that the, the guys who can cover that level of ground, I mean, he, he always covers more ground than anybody else on the field in every match, either team. Um, it's really unique and unique and special. Has he reached the level where it seems like other teams are sort of game planning for him? Because you wrote about the Leverkusen game that they basically yeah. did a really good job of uh, forcing Leipzig out wide, limiting Tyler Adams' ability to get on the ball. And I wasn't sure if that was a, a an Adams-specific thing or just a Leipzig-specific thing. They didn't yeah. want Leipzig on the ball in the middle. You know, I, I, I didn't see anything where they singled him out in mm-hmm. the post-game press conferences. But, I mean, you can't convince me otherwise that they didn't try to focus in on suffocating the ball to, to Tyler. I mean... His touches went from, I believe, 92 in the first game against Mainz to 40. Um, that is so lower for people who aren't going to mess. I mean, that's, I mean, that, I mean, statistically anomaly. That, that that's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, um, you know, and I think that you know he's kind of the key that makes everything kind of go down the middle. Um, and uh, and word to the wise, you know, I mean, that's something that you think like you know. You know, look, Greg Berhalter does his work, homework. He likes to really look at the analytics of the game. He, that was one of his first things he talked about when, you know, the first couple of months after he got hired. And no doubt he probably noticed that and realized that, like, okay, um, uh, what do, you know, if they cut off the ball to Tyler, how do we get the ball back into the middle? And then and on top of it, too, you know, what are the fullback options and, and winger options that, really kind of stretch everything apart that they can't do that. And fortunately for the U.S. team, you know, you have Serginho Dest and, and, now, and you have Christian Pulisic and, you know, Jordan and maybe Anthony Robinson. I'm, you know, I don't know for that for certain until um, we see how the team plays. But there's a lot of speedy options out wide. It'll make it trickier to do. But, yeah, look, I mean, Tyler Adams is so good that I think that they, that they try to um, – that they, you know, that that had that no no doubt about it. That's the reason why um, uh, Saul, uh, um, Leipzig struggled in that Leverkusen game. Uh, not to be a wet blanket, but I do want to, you know, get both sides of it. Uh, what do you think, if any, is there a part of his game, uh, Tyler Adams' game, that you think needs to improve or could use like some adjustment, some work? Uh, you know, I think nothing more than really, um, you know, he is, he plays the style. He's never going to change his style. He's never going to, you know, he's never going to be like this giant, he's never going to have like 
the, like the wildness that like Jermaine Jones did in that same kind of free ranging. And I think that's a, that's a good thing. Um, you know, you just hope that, uh, that there's not too much, uh, positional experimentation when it comes to him. Um, you know, I think when he came back from his injury in, in, uh, very end of December last year, and he had been out since, um, most of the calendar year, I mean, since starting from like April on, um, you know, then he was, then he was kind of coming off the bench and uh, at center midfield and playing, you know, right back when he was starting very little was he starting in central midfield for him. And there's no shame on that. I mean, it's a champions league semifinal kind of a team and that the, those are always by nature, uh, very tough lineups to crack, especially with a coach like Nagelsmann. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's just more or less just continuing to get reputa- repetitions because, because of that injury that he missed. Um, he still, his number of starts in the Bundesliga still isn't that high. And right. you think of what, he, what he's done so far with the starts he's had. It's just, it's been great. So um, it's just really just experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's really nothing more to it than that. Uh, so he's he may be a little more experienced, but thus far Leipzig doing well, I believe, top of the table at time of recording. Dortmund also with a decent start to the season. Uh, watching Giorena get three assists this past weekend was, was pretty fun. Uh, I think the thing that I enjoyed the most about his game this weekend was his sort of overall decision-making. I, I talked about mm-hmm. this on the Weekend Review, but I felt like after the first 10 minutes or so, he did a really good job of knowing when to speed things up and try to play quickly, mm-hmm. when to slow it down and try to find those passes. How much do you think he has developed in the last 12 months or so? Because that doesn't feel like a thing that I necessarily saw as a strength in his game. Like maybe yeah. a year ago or 10 months ago or even six months ago, it feels like that's something he's worked on. Yeah, I mean, you know, being in that kind of environment is um, is uh, is special. Um, you're dealing with a guy, though, that really always, even before he moved abroad, was, was like Pulisic. I mean, like this isn't like a diamond in the rough. I mean, he's been on an elite path long before yeah. he even moved to Germany. I mean, he was always the best in his age group by so far. And um, he's a little bit like a genetically engineered diamond in my mind. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's fun. I mean, it's unbelievable, but like what, what's look, um, the assists are going to come in droves because he's playing. I mean, having a guy like Erling Holland yeah. is, is, is unbelievable. Um, uh, I mean, the, that guy can get away from any defender in the world. And, and then when he does get in front of any defender, he can get around him, get through him, get over him, get around, do whatever he has to do to get but, but between to make sure it's just him and the goal in front of him. Um, it, it's special. And you can see um, that there's a really, really good chemistry Reina has with Holland. And, you know, if you're in that kind of an environment, you're like 90 percent there to where you want to be. And uh, but look, I mean, the the fact that Dortmund's letting him take free kicks and, and yeah. corner kicks is is a big, big telling sign. Um, you know, he's 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 breaking through every barriers with ease um, and to be just 17 years old and, and wearing the 10 shirt successfully for Dortmund is is unbelievable. And um, look, I mean. What is this? He started one time towards the end. He started three times here, and one, and then I think only you know two two starts he struggled, and two starts he was he he was he's been unbelievable in his career. So it's quite the fluctuation. I mean, look, Augsburg. I think the one that one start was um the one first start the first start he had was towards the end of last year, and mm-hmm. I think everyone had kind of checked out because they knew where they were going to finish. 
this year everything's kind of gotten a little more real and you know Augsburg is one of the more surprising teams in the Bundesliga and I think they're for real um by the way a side note Carlos Carrezo coming out of FC Dallas is is a terrific defensive yeah. midfielder I mean just like wow like he's he's doing he's 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 a home run right now in the Bundesliga um, but that being said, and so Augsburg really knew how to play compact defense, and 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 that was a look that Reina looked like he was unprepared for. He's looked better against like the teams that like to open things up a little bit. So look, look there, there are things he has to tweak here and there, but um, uh, you know he's on a track to be superbly special. I mean, the announcer in German compared him to. Um, uh, Zidane. I mean, <laughs> okay, then. Body, I mean, you'll take that. But yeah. like, uh, but I mean, it's uh, you know, at 17 years old, and you're wearing the 10 shirt for one of the biggest clubs in Germany. I mean, the sky is the limit, really. I mean, <laughs> what? I mean, that that's a kind of like a path that puts you on one of the best players um, yeah. of that birth year in the entire world. One more quick interruption from me to let you know that this episode of the Total Soccer Show is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker, which is a nose and ear hair trimmer. I have thoughts because I went to a socially distanced wedding this past weekend. I felt felt pretty good in the suit. Felt like I was looking good. I asked my wife and she gave me a very enthusiastic like, yeah, you look great. Um... Maybe the nose hair? Because uh, I do really frequently forget to check that, as well as the ear hair. That's the thing you got to pay attention to as you get older. Nobody taught me that. I really wish I'd learned that earlier on to appreciate not having to worry about ear hair. Probably more information than people needed, but it's the reality. I would say most people, if they go look in the mirror, maybe they've got some nose hairs or ear hairs that could use some trimming. And that is where the Weed Whacker can come in handy. It did for me because I had it with me. It's in my dop kit. It travels with me for just such an occasion in which my wife says I'm more wolf man than man. Uh, took the Weed Whacker, knocked it out, came back out. She said I was pretty again. Off we went. The Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system which is to say it works really well and is very, very fancy. It's intelligently contoured uh, and designed to enhance the trimming experience, and it is waterproof, which makes it easy for operation and cleaning and not having to worry about... Like, the bathrooms are wet, so you don't have to worry about that. It would be annoying if it, like, had one drop of water and immediately was destroyed looking in your direction, Apple. But you don't have to worry about that with Manscaped. Instead, you can use it and get it done, and your partner won't make a face, which is ideally the goal of uh, getting dressed up. If you want to check out what Manscaped has, has on offer, you can by going to manscaped.com and you can get 20% off with free shipping using the code TSS20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code TSS20. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. Thank you very much to Manscaped for sponsoring this episode. Now back one last time to Brian Sharetta. All right, so we've potentially got the news of Don. Uh, for people who don't know, Brian Shreda is is very good at unearthing dual nationals or figuring out that people are dual nationals. At least in my mind, you are. Uh, with that in mind, any chance there's a USMNT eligible uh, forward who has the exact build and skill set of Erling Holland? Fingers crossed, maybe. Uh, no. Come on. I, mean, I, was, I think we were all wrong <laughs> about Jordan Sebichu. I mean, remember him and he was. Oh like, yeah. Like, they, everyone was talking about him and yeah. Uh, you know, and then and everyone, and I, I understand, like, uh, I was told by someone who would know, like, uh, Forlorn Balagun is, like, very doubtful. So, okay. uh, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, the, uh, the, 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 the dual national front in terms of forwards is, is mostly limited to, you know, guys over here, but, um, uh, we will, there's nothing, I don't, I mean, look, Giochini. I like a lot. I mean, I don't know if we've talked about him. I've no, we haven't. You mentioned him earlier. Let's get. Let's talk about him now. Tell us about him. Tell us why you like him. 
Oh, I mean, I like his versatility. I mean, uh, and I think he plays for Khan, um, SM Khan. I, I think they're now, as of this, in third or second, third or fourth in the in League Two, League uh, in France. Um, very physically strong, but like he's a guy who can play out wide, can play in the middle, um, all across that front line. Um, I think he's really one of the more exciting uh, young prospects that's kind of under the radar that I think needs to be kind of on, you know, looked at more than, you know, everyone knows Soto, everyone knows a lot of, a lot of those, but, but uh, Giochini would, you know, of that next year down that that's never really played for the U S team at any level, um, or really been talked about in that, that, that quick equation, I think is a guy who needs to be there. Um, you know, he has that physically strong, um, uh, body, I think that that you want to have in the modern game. He's not going to get pushed around, but he also moves extremely. He scored again over the weekend in another very good goal. He fi- he has really good ways of getting you know behind the back line. Now, granted, it's League Two, but um, you know, 20 years old. Uh, I think he I think he'll be in. If, if Khan's not promoted, I think he's going up to League One with a different team at least some point next year. All right, so Nicola Giochini. Uh, I want to go back to that big five, such as they are for a moment. I want to start or go back to and start with Serginho Dest, who I don't know if you knew this, Brian. He plays for Barcelona. He's kind of <laughs> crazy, kind of wild. Uh, yeah. I keep seeing that he's this, this is kind of a, a tricky question, I think. At least it is for me, probably not for you. I keep seeing that he's the first American to play in a competitive game for Barcelona. Which begs the question: Who are the Americans that played in unofficial or non-competitive matches? I'm assuming Conrad no, De La Fuente. Yeah, that was there. it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I can I mean, there was. I think you had, um, you know, youth levels. You yeah. had like guys like um, you had a few like Ben Letterman. Um, but in terms of like even unofficial games at the first team level, that was uh, that was Conrad a couple of weeks ago. Um, and then. Um, and then, uh, yeah. and now, now Serginho is the first guy. I mean, I don't really even include like those kind of those kind of games, but um, but yeah, competitive games are really where you measure stature and 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 your um, uh, you know, your value to a team. And yeah, Serginho is just on another level. I mean, you know, you don't Barcelona even in this day and age when funds are questionable for everybody, everyone has to kind of tighten their belt a little bit. And when you and when you um spend that kind of money on a player uh, like, like, like Serginho, like you're going to get a shot. I'm a big fan. I'm not a fan of free transfers because, you know, as, you know, as a journalist, it's tough to assess any meaning to them. Mm-hmm. Like if, even if you're a player and you go somewhere on a free, um, you know, there's, there's the play, the, the team's only marginally invested in you and, and you don't have a, maybe they're just taking a, the preserve proverbial flyer. Like yeah. maybe if he works out great, if he doesn't, but when you get a transfer fee attached to you, you're going to get a shot. Like, uh, that's why I think Ledesma will eventually get a shot at PSV. And, um, you know, and it checks a lot of, you know, I, I think, uh, when we actually not, maybe not necessarily cause they paid a big transfer fee for him, but it, it was the, it was the minimum salary mm-hmm. of the, of the non-EU status, you know, and you're in, if you're in Holland, you have to get a huge minimum, not minimum, non-minimum salary. So when I see clubs financially invested in teams and players, um, you know, that's really, it's good. You, if you're a player, you want the team to be financially invested in you. I mean, and it, 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 it cuts both ways. And, and Barcelona is financially invested in, um, uh, you know, in Serginho, just like Juventus is, is financially invested now big time with Weston. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, PSV is invested in, in uh, Ledesma by virtue of the salary. So those are things that check boxes. Um, 
and um, and uh, uh, yeah, I think he, I think he's going to have a chance, real chance to to be that right back, um, uh, maybe left back, mm-hmm. you know, if they, if they need, but um, at least right back for for Barcelona, and that's 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 really unbelievable. It's pretty wild, yeah. Uh, he came in this weekend for Jordi Alba, who came out with a hamstring injury. It seems <laughs> like that is a, a a decently severe injury, so Dest should be getting. At least a few starts in the foreseeable future with uh, Jordi Alba out. Uh, do you think he is at that level? Like, in your opinion, do you think he's ready to be a regular starter for Barcelona, or at least this iteration of Barcelona? And I really don't mean that to be disrespectful. It's just yeah. they're kind of in the situation they're in. Yeah. I thought he looked really good this weekend, and I'm hoping that that is an indicator of what's to come. I mean, look, that game was not like bringing in someone when 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 it's four nothing, right? Uh, you know, the, 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 it was one one in a, in a game where you know a mistake could cost them point a uh, point um uh yeah i think um and, that, and that's telling him he hasn't even been there that long and, and they're putting him into important games i think he's that talented i think his ceiling is every bit good enough to be at that level even if even if even a better version of bar even if, if barcelona continues to improve and i think they need to improve um but to get back to where they were several years ago they're going to need to eventually figure out how to do it without Messi. but and so it's going to be really test on these on these young generation of, of Barca players to, you know, to know that this is going to be the Messi's not going to be around forever. Um, uh, it, it, that that era is ending, so they got to be able to answer the call. Like, and um, you know, no one player can do what he did. Like, it's going to be it's going to take like everyone stepping up. So, and the media is going to be out for him if they don't. So this generation of Barca players has like, I mean. To oversee that kind of a transition is is um, is huge, and I'm a better and uh, I'm 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 bullish on Serginho. Mm-hmm. Now that being said, you have to remember his the the last time he was really playing competitive games, um, the the uh, back in you know towards the end before the shutdown at, at Ajax, uh, the last month was not great there. Um, I mean, you remember you have that image. I don't remember. I forget who it was on on Ajax that was in his face. His teammate was at, oh. was yelling yelling at him um, for neglecting his defensive responsibilities. I mean, that's that's not that's going to that's not going to go far at all um, at, at Barcelona. At Ajax, they they're used to working with young players and and tolerating some mistakes. But you know, a stern talking to like that is is part of development. This is more the demand that you're the finished product. Uh, the higher up you go, but I mean, his natural talent like sells itself, and um, he'll make some mistakes. But in the end of the day, I, I think he's going to figure it out because you know his upside's that good. But you know, he, hey, look, a mistake might might have him benched for a couple games, but um, the, I don't see him being benched for that long of a period of time. I think he'll always find his way back on because he's he's really electric and dynamite, and you just hope that. He, you know, he, 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 he develops on the defensive side of the game, but, uh, but I, I'm, I think he will. I'm just going to say this. I'm looking at the photo right now. Dusan Tadic, not a fan of social distancing, yeah. it seems. Goodness <laughs> gracious, was, he is up in his face. That was <laughs> yeah. an unbelievable image. And, and, and Serginho was taking it, too. Yeah. Like, it was, it was one-way traffic. Serginho knew, you know. And, he, and look, he's very self-critical. I've interviewed him before and, and sat down with him before. I mean, at the U-20 World Cup, when he made that error against Ukraine, he was the first person out there to, to talk about. And even months later, he was still bitter about, mad at himself for doing it. So, it, it, you know, that kind of attitude's refreshing and, and good to see. And, um, uh, you know, and the fact that he took that, 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 that tongue lashing from the captain um, was, uh, was uh, you know, was good. I mean, it, it shows that 
he knew his place and, and he had to as a young player and these are things that if if you don't do things right there there are consequences and uh i think i think barcelona sees that too i mean they they're not just going to buy some guy who's who has no hope of just of ever really being a complete fullback they know he can do that um i I have a question about about interviewing players, but I first want to stick with Dest for a second because we do have also uh, Barcelona with Sergio Dest playing Weston McKinney and Juventus in the Champions League. Again, not a thing I really thought was going to be happening this season, but here we are. Uh, how excited are you to see those two go up against each other and how who do you think is more likely to be playing in that game? Put it that way. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. They both have champions league experience even mm-hmm. at this age it was just it was just um uh you know different different teams um i mean you have two different players who are like still youth international eligible and they're on their second club of champions league action just further up the pecking order which that's even more remarkable but um uh it's i would say probably Serginho mm-hmm. um is more likely you know to probably start more games um, uh, they, I think Weston's going to have a role for himself. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I need to see a little bit more mm-hmm. because, um, you know, that, that jump from Schalke to, um, to Juventus, I think was, was even more, uh, severe. It was even more of a step up and, and I know both clubs have new managers. Uh, you know, uh, Pirlo just looks a little bit new to first team managerial experience. Um, and, and I think that that's going to be a, a you know, Juventus just strikes me with the Italian in me that such a tough mm-hmm. nut to crack um, at this age of his career. I mean, so I, I mean, look, I think Weston's still going to get twenty to twenty-five games at worst if he's a healthy all, the whole season, which is good. But um, it's going to be interesting how he comes off the bench and how the you know he was slated to be on the bench if, if yesterday's game against Napoli happened. Um, so uh, we'll you know. It's interesting to see how he comes off the bench and, and how the other guys do when they do um, uh, how they do without him on the field too. You know, you have to see if those guys go out there and just do terrific. You know, Weston, you know, might you know might have to play. You know, come off the bench for longer periods of time. You know, it might be a while before he starts again. So, but that's that's the life of a big club. Is like the you know the the, the guys on the bench can go out and win Serie A too. So. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it, 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 this is this is this, but this is why you you know, mm-hmm. uh, this is what, when you go to these big clubs. It's a, you know for supporters they have to know what to expect, and and the leash is short, particularly for young players. With that in mind, let's round out that that uh, the big five, such as they are, uh, with Christian Pulisic, who returned to the Chelsea squad against Palace, came coming out as an 83rd minute sub in their 4-0 win. I did, I think for the first time this weekend, start to see the concerns about Pulisic. Why isn't he starting? Why isn't he playing? I'm fairly confident there's a pretty straightforward answer there, but for people who are out of the loop, why has Christian Pulisic not been playing for Chelsea this season? Oh, his hamstring. There we right? go. I mean, I mean <laughs> it, it, you know, look, I mean, he's... He, He's even back at Dortmund. There was always seemed to be like a little injury that would keep him out for a couple of weeks, and he'd come back and do really well. Um, you know, it was no. I think his uh, when he was on the field, he was a magnificent success for his first year of Chelsea. He surpassed the expectations I had for him, and by the end of the season, before he got injured, after the restart, he was like, you know, he was among the best players in the world for those two months. Um, you know, he was uh, at least the first team all world for that two month period of time alone. Um, uh, it, and, but like, so I think Chelsea sees that, but now 
they have to be very, you know, you listen to Lampard speak about them. Um, uh, they have to take it slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to, they, they want to try to avoid, they, they want to make sure he's in a spot that when he does return regularly, he's durable. Um, they, they, you know, they don't want to push things back. And then, you know, cause you know, if you get to someone like, like Tim Weah and you get a setback, I mean, that's, that could be a huge, huge setback. Um, you know, that could that could take you out of season, and then when you come back, it's everything's different, and you might have to play differently, and then you're scared when you when you have to go into a full sprint. Yeah. Christian Pulisic can't get into his position where he's like scared to go 100% because he's going to be injured. So he, you know, it's um, uh, I could see exactly why they're um, they're trying to um, take that kind of approach with him because he they they really believe in his upside, even with all their additions that they had. Over the winter, and they spent a fortune. He's still there. I mean, he's still mm-hmm. like he is still like um, like that important to this team. And and uh, yeah, he's a little even different than all the other guys in the big five that I was mentioning because I mean, he's just done it now for his. You know, I know McKenny. He's had more success for over two different clubs on an upward trajectory. Um, you know that uh, you know he, he's in a class to his own in terms of American players. So it's good to see Chelsea taking that approach with them too. That then and you you, want, you would want to see that, and they're just showing nothing but true value in him with their caution. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Today's episode is brought to you by our old friends, Mac Weldon. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have things both ways, like a zero-calorie cheeseburger, internet ads in March that weren't just reminders to do your taxes, a dog that never needs walking after midnight when it's cold, a Manchester United that is consistently good instead of their current scattershot approach? Well, we tend to think of clothing as an either-or situation as well. People think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort. But it's possible to have it both ways. Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. From their light-as-air underwear to innovative anti-odor tees and versatile yet comfortable pants, Mack Weldon has a full range of clothes that never go out of style. I got a few things recently, including a long-sleeve polo, which I love, uh, maybe the most comfortable t-shirt, which I also love, and my new favorite sweatpants, the Ace sweatpant. It's exactly what I described above, comfort and versatile, but still stylish. It's the type of sweatpant I can wear to pick up my kids from daycare and not think, I'm now wearing sweatpants in public. The other parents will judge me. Now I just think, judge away, nerds, because you will never be this comfortable unless you're also wearing a pair, in which case, high five. Mack Weldon is not flashy. It's just classic, always in style, and made from the world's most comfortable performance materials. They're designed to fit both your style and the demands of modern life. So get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code TSS. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code TSS to get 20% off your first order. Thank you to Mack Weldon for sponsoring today's episode. Uh, since you mentioned him, let's talk Timothy Weah for a moment. He's played in four out of six games uh, in the league for Lille, which mm-hmm. is good. I was excited about that. Then I looked into it a little bit more closely and realized that he had played a total of 30 minutes. So maybe not the whopping total I was hoping for. From what you've seen, given the injury history, how far away is he from kind of starting games consistently for them? What do you think he needs to do to close that gap? 
Well, unfortunately, I've, I was a little more optimistic at the mm-hmm. start of the season because they were he was getting regular minutes. They were he was coming in in like the give or take a few each time, like the seventy eighth minute or the seventy fifth minute, mm-hmm. you know, or the eighty third minute. You know, still you know enough minutes to go out there and run around. Um, uh, you know, then I guess they played not this past weekend, but the weekend before they played not and. Um, he did, he went as an unused sub, and, and I could see that game was was tight all the way through. Um, it wasn't really until I think there was an 88th or 89th minute penalty winner or something like that where the game was decided for Lil and um, and uh, and uh, you know there maybe not, that was not that that you know you want to if you're going to bring in a, a guy who's had some injury problems and working his way back that that might not have been the time to play him. Okay, I get it. This past weekend was was a bit of a of a of an eye opener for me and not a good way and it makes you wonder maybe maybe I'm reading too much you don't want to read too much into one game like there could have been like um uh like a bad training session and then you set things back um or or something maybe wasn't that sharp but and he'll be sharp next week and that opens the door but the fact is is he you you think like if Lil really wanted to the big thing with way right now is getting him minutes when they can better and low pressure things so that you can gradually work as well you expect an amount of rust because he's coming off a lost season that was a that was a completely lost season last year so you expect him to 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 find ways to get him into games and that would be an objective with how to handle him but they had a, a Strasbourg's not a good team and they had a, a multi-goal lead starting in the 53rd minute and they hadn't even made a sub yet and then um and in the league on you you're they're, they're keeping it at five so, and then they had a molt, then they, they took a three goal lead and then, um, in, around the 72nd or 75th minute or whatever. And, uh, and they still had plenty of subs to go and they still didn't bring them in. They only let them, they only brought them in like, like the second or third minute of stoppage time for one minute. And, and that was like, it was like they had all the opportunity and low pressure. They had that game under complete control and, um, and, and way still didn't play. So it's like, if, if that wasn't the answer, um, uh, you know, it's like maybe, maybe like he wasn't sharp in training or something. But this is good, like with the with the with the with the European international window, that maybe he can have some good training sessions and you can reevaluate the situation more. You don't want to look more into one game, but that was not a good game. But you don't want to read too much into it and hope that maybe um in in the first couple weeks after you know this October window that um that there's more progress. I'm also choosing to believe that maybe he just needs Reggie Cannon to help him play better, <laughs> which is sort of my way of asking you to explain the Reggie Cannon nice transition, transfer. by the way. Nice Thank transition. you. I try. I try. <laughs> um, I will, I'm still sort of confused by that move. Even though I've read multiple articles about it, I'm still a little up in the air. So it's moving to Boa Vista, but then sort of immediately after that moving to Lille? Well, look, this is no different than like if you if if the Red Bulls organization bought like like a guy that they really like, maybe it's Brendan Aronson, maybe it's someone else, and they eventually want to get him to Leipzig, mm-hmm. and and uh, which is their Bundesliga darling that that could win the Champions League, and they they send him to Salzburg instead. Um, Lil has the same ownership um, as Boavista, so there, and then that's one of the reasons why his transfer st- deal is struck so that. Um, like there's Dallas continues to own a sell-on percentage of them, but that sell-on percentage is not exhausted. Um, should the transfer move from Bo Vista to Lil, so if they sell him for like a nominal amount because there's a common ownership, um, uh, that 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 doesn't like Dallas doesn't just get like 
you know some change because of you know a minor they want the real transfer fee not the inner intercompany transfer the transfer fee so um uh that's a uh, that that's the kind of the plan there too um you know i i think lil's right back the croatian whose name is escaping me now but i think he's uh he's this is his last season there and they're looking for replacements and i think um reggie's on a big long audition um in a strong spot at boa vista i think that's the that's the real goal right now um is to is for him to get adjusted there Get a couple games against. I know the Porto game was was tough for him, and and but granted, it was tougher for everybody else on his team, probably even more so. But you know, his last game there um, uh, over the weekend was his best one yet. Um, so uh, yeah, I think he's going to trade. They're trying to get him to Lille, but the, but I think they they want to stop in between, um, and they've kind of paved the road for that with this move to Bovista. All right. I've got two more players I wanted to ask you about, and then I will stop asking you questions because you've already been very generous with your time. Mm -hmm. The first one is Uli Yanez. Uh, He got his first minutes for Heron Veen in a 1-0 win over Utrecht. Uh, What were the work permit issues that delayed his debut? Well, I think eventually you have to go in showing um, the the proper salaries are paid because Mm -hmm. he doesn't. um, And there's always, whenever you move from one country to another, there's always certificates and, and paperwork that has to get done. Um, and remember, he also just signed um, a new deal um, with uh, um, Wolfsburg right beforehand. Um, the one that would take him over the the Eredivisie minimum, so that this move was facilitated. I mean, if you can't, if he's making less than the Eredivisie minimum, then then all of a sudden, like he has to kind of get like a side contract to go uh, even on loan that bumps him up over that minimum salary so you know it's a little bit complicated um but they got him there and uh, and that's just a little bit of speculation on my part what the what the exact legal the legal ram of uh um work permit issues were i don't know specific but those are just some of the most common reasons when you deal with um with uh holland as a non-eu player so yeah he got over to here and being um here and being is, is, is i like the move a lot i think that's a it's a good level of team. It's not. It's not PSV or Ajax, which you know has you know their their academies are both legendary and, and and produce players. And those those teams generally know what they want to do. Here in Veen's a team that can, you know, to compete against the best guys. Sometimes they need help here and there to round out their rosters with guys who can contribute. You know, Uli. Um, I don't think he's under too much pressure because when he got there, they 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 had nine points from three games. Um, and they still haven't lost. So he came on towards the end uh, of the draw. It was it was. Tough and tough game um, against Utrecht because uh, here in Veen was down a man starting in the 83rd minute. Um, Uli looked a little nervous and, and tentative. Um, I, I don't. I don't think you know. I think he looked like a player really making his first team professional debut. Um, you know, there's a little bit of rust and nerves there too. But you know, these are the kind of things that why you go, why you send players to Holland so that they can make mistakes there where they're they're really forgiving and and. Um, and, and not make them in the Bundesliga where, where it can be very, very ruthless. So um, he's on a team that's good in that league. They're not struggling. Uh, I don't th- they're not going to – eventually they'll come back to the earth and probably finish top half of the table, not towards the top. So we'll get a chance to – you know, as long as you're not getting shellacked in that league and you're at the bottom when you're always on your heels, if you're in the top of that league, it's going to be open soccer. And then I think that's what a guy like Uli needs is, you know, a chance for him to really, um, you know, do his thing. Mm-hmm. I will let you choose which player we're going to talk about last. Uh, I have a question about Eric Palmer Brown. I have a question about Tyler Boyd. 
Let's do them both, man. I'm, right. I'm up. All right, as long as you don't mind. As long as you don't mind. No, You've been very no, generous. I just don't want to take keep up going. too much. I, look, Eric is. Um, I understand there's a there's a recall in mm-hmm. that loan that he's on right now, so that gives the that really essentially um, Man City gives him. You know, they can pull him out of there if they find a better move for him, or if he finds a better move for himself. I think that he's not going to be in the, in the Austrian Bundesliga the entire season. Um, you know, I think it's just about building up confidence right now. And I thought uh, it was against Tyrol. It was a, it was a very good outing. Uh, I really like. It was seven for seven and completing long balls over you know over thirty five yards. It was um, uh, you know very very good passing out of the back. It's you know and there's very good confidence. But I think you know look uh, um, he's been in Belgium uh, mid tier Belgium lower uh, relegated Eredivisie. Now he's mid-table, a team that should be towards the top but isn't. But, you know, he's kind of helping him get back in, in Austria and Vienna. You really want to see that ratcheted up at some point. He's 23 years old. He's still got a lot of talent. Um, you know, I hope that wherever he goes next, they, they, they agree to release him to the U23 team because I think he could just thrive and, and be like the, you know, having him in like Mark McKenzie in central defense would just be terrific for a, a, a U23 team. Um uh, you know, because I don't think they'll get Richards, but like if you get like, although depending on if he ever goes out on loan, that's that's certainly not um, impossible. But you know, I think if you get like a Palmer Brown and 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 McKenzie, that's 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 a really good um, combo there. So yeah, there's a lot of things to watch for him right now. I just don't think I think it's just good for him to get a real running start into the winter and then um, and then see what's available then. You and, mentioned wherever uh, he goes next. Do you think there's a reality in which he does ever play minutes for Manchester City, or do you think it's more likely that he'll be loaned out a few more times and then eventually sold for a little bit of a profit? I mean, that's a that's a real. T- I think I think the eventually thing is they'll sell him for a profit. How much um, remains to be seen. Uh, for him to get to England, he still probably needs to do more to get a, a work permit, even by appeal. Um, he needs to, I think, thrive in a in a in a higher environment than he's in. Although, assuming I don't really know how. Um, you know, with Brexit and everything, like how that, how the English UK work permits are going to work um, next year. You know, I, I still have some questions about that, but under the current system, he'd struggle to get in the, into um, England. But yeah, I think, you know, there's no reason why he can't play in the Bundesliga. He's that good. I mean, it's just, um, it's just, you know, finding a path to get there too. And, and, and doing really well in Austria helps. So I'm looking forward to seeing him, you know, get a couple runs out there against the the big teams in that league, and and, and continuing to be among the better central defenders in the league, and and then um and then and then really I'm really hoping he can make one of like those those big moves, the ones that really says like you know the one one that yeah. catches everyone's attention where he's going to play, mm-hmm. um you know not just you know not just say you're with a big club, but to to be like the big player on 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 a, on a club that's respectable, maybe not elite, but like, you know, I think you know he's good enough to do that, and you just want to yeah. you know, finally see that happen. I think of like Jason Denier, I believe it is, who's now with I think with Lyon, but is like mm-hmm. a Man City player, goes out on loan to a bunch of different places, then finds a home with Lyon, and I think eliminate Man City. Angelino. So there you go. An- I mean, Angelino yeah. was another. You know, good, I mean, yeah. I mean, he, obviously he spent the year in New York City FC, but like, I mean. I mean, now you know he goes on loan and, and he's in, and he's in the Champions League semifinals. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, there's all these kind of players there mm-hmm. too. That you know, I mean, that you can not maybe not be good enough for Manchester City, but the, I mean, the, the, you can you can do some unbelievable things in football um, without really making it at, at a parent club like that. 
All right, and that brings us to Tyler Boyd at Besiktas. I kind of forgot that that was happening. Here was your preview of their game this past weekend. Boyd has been a regular starter at the start of the season, but the entire team is under pressure from its intense fan base. Uh, Intense is correct. Uh, And in the Turkish media to turn things around, uh, Besiktas's opponent on Sunday, Gençler Birli, uh, has a point from two games, and this is a game Besiktas is favored to win. If Besiktas lose this game, it will not be pretty update, they lost 1-0. Boyd played 63 minutes. Uh, Besiktas being much closer to the relegation zone than top of the table aside. That is weird. Boyd getting minutes seems to be progress from where he was last season. I guess my question is, is that progress? Has he improved or has Besiktas gotten worse and so he's getting more minutes? You know, I think it's just, you know, yeah, but I I haven't talked to Tyler and, and, um, and, and you remember that the team had an outbreak of COVID and, and, and it just hasn't been like a happy place like the, this year. I'll, I think he benefited from a coaching change. I mean, another coach, this is the kind of thing where you don't, don't ever get used to playing for the current coach because there could always be a change. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, they have one point from the last three games. They are so lucky. Best of is so lucky that, that they don't have fans. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, yeah. it would. Be, I mean, it would be. Uh, I would feel really scared. I lived two blocks from their stadium. I can confirm they are very lucky. The fans are not in those stands. I know, and um, you know, and, and look at the whole table. If you look at like you know who's at the bottom and who's at the top, like it's. I mean, I mean, Eric Lehigh's team is doing very well. There we go. Uh, I mean, and, and they're like in third. They were number one. They were first heading into this weekend. And so this whole week, you know, but look, they're, they're, this is, um, I think Tyler's a good pl- team, but like, if you look at that whole team, they have some, some really good players that, yeah. and no one's playing well for them. And, and, um, but again, you know, you go to these big clubs, um, you know, there's always chances you take, you, he knew what he was going into, like the pressure. I mean, cause he, he did so well for Ankar Guku, like when he, when he first got to Turkey, um, uh, but the pressure was off at a club like that. Now the pressure's on. I mean, um, and uh, but but you 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 make these moves with with that you know in mind. He hasn't been as good as he wants to be, but he hasn't. He's been more among the least of the team's problems too. So um, you know, because even when he hasn't been playing, like even when he comes up, the team's just as bad. Like it's 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 a it's not a good environment right now for him or for anybody on that team. And um, uh, you know, um, it, it, he might he might it might eventually be where when a team like that is doing so poorly and they have some resources, they they end up getting rid of a lot of players at one time. You know, so it, it could be a a very dark winter or a very short winter for him at at that club. You could be. I'm also looking at this roster and forgetting how weird Besiktas is right now. Like, I kind of forgot there were two it's Canadians there. Yeah. 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 I mean, but, you know, it, it, it's amazing with Turkey. It's like when you look at, like, when you start scrolling through all the rosters yeah. in the Super League, like, it's like, you know, it's kind of like a walk back in time a little bit. Like, the players that were like, you know, you're like, oh, wow, I didn't know where that oh, guy yeah. went. And you knew him very well, like, uh, five years ago. Yeah, they all play for uh, Istanbul BB is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this. I mean, at the roster, there's like, there's, there's, they're all. It's all. I mean, Kyle Lahren and Tyler mm-hmm. Board are, are still among like the younger guys who who start and play regularly, and oh, they're boy. both you know, 25, 25 years old each. I mean, um, you know, there's a, there's a, it's um, it's a, it's, it's an old league. I mean, up up yeah. and down, up and down, all throughout that league, it's always very old. So and very intense. So uh, 
you know, it's not a league I watch watch too much. I always try to keep an eye on what Tyler's doing, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when he's on, it's it's fun. He's a streaky player. Like he mm-hmm. he's plays that fearless kind of a style. But you know, I think the question with Tyler always is, and always has been with me, is like if he's not. Like if his dribbling's off, like and and um and maybe he's not striking the ball from distance as well as he as he can, like like what's the, what other ways can the player do to win? Like for example, Paul Ariola, a player I really like, um and, and you hope he gets back eventually. And all right, if he's not playing that well, he's making that defensive run to get back and cover for his defense. He forces yeah. turnovers and and he puts in an unbelievable like. He covers a ton of ground. Like I was talking about Tyler Boyd, uh, not sorry, um, Tyler Adams earlier. Like in, in the amount of ground he covers, like a guy like like, like Paul Ariola can, you, you know, he can win with his with his B game, like um, uh, and, and find other ways that that really make a difference. Uh, Tyler, if it, if it's not clicking, you know, I'm not, sh- you know, it, it's it, it's the, you don't know what's there with his B game. All right, so. Tyler Boyd, we're, we're not sure, might be in, in witness protection given Beshitash's form, but overall, we're excited about Americans in Europe. Uh, Brian, I guess my, actually, my final question for you, it's one that I, I, I've had on hold since we talked Serginho Dest. You talked about speaking with him, interviewing him, and the, and the type of player he is. Who, are, who is the player or a couple of players, if you want to go that route, who you found most impressive when you were interviewing them or you, who you thought were like particularly thoughtful or thought very deeply about the game itself? Oh yeah, I mean, and you always appreciate um, honesty and and not um, cliches. Um, and so sometimes, like the quality of player, you know, and the quality of interview, they, they they're not always aligned. Um, uh, Paul Ariola is one of the best interviews in American soccer, and and, and always has been. I mean, when I mean he'll talk, no, he doesn't he'll talk about anything and. Um, uh, I mean, bad or worse, if he's not playing well, if he is playing well, you know, the the, the honesty he shows um, in his responses is, and, and and I know I think I've talked to other people in the media, and we everyone kind of agrees he's he's um he's a tremendous interview. I mean, and then when he's talking about the you know the the, the painful story behind his dad's death last year, and um you know, and he has an open relationship with the fans too, and. And when he's not playing well, he he's the first to really put his hands up and, and acknowledge it. And um, you know, uh, Serginho Dest is was was really interesting. I mean, I, I've interviewed him a couple times before, and then, um, but when he did a media roundtable, and this is before he committed to the United States, he was in that 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 game here in New Jersey when they lost to Mexico in those friendlies, uh, uh, in that friendly, um, and they were all doing roundtables. He, you know, the media was gathering around uh, around Serginho because he just broken through to Ajax's first team. And, and, and there must have been about 10 of us at the table. And he went around and shook everyone's hand, looked everybody in the eye, you know, and, and, um, and you know, for a young player like that and show that my kind of respect. And he realized that he had a job to do and we had a job to do. And, and, and he acknowledged that. And that's um, those are those are things that like are great. And there's, there's a lot of good interviews out there, too. I mean, uh, um you know, Tyler Adams is a very good interview. Um, Aaron Johansson has been a very, very good interview too. Um, you know, and, and, and a lot of these young players that are coming up now, um, you know, they realize their words matter, but they're very honest and, and they're not reckless with them too. And, and shooting from the hip, but you know, they, you know, they give nice and honest responses too. And, um, uh, I, I mean, you, you definitely know out there like which ones are disasters and I won't mention any names, but, um, you know, really difficult interviews, but those guys I mentioned um, are, are the best. 
There we are. All right. Well, Brian Sharetta, thank you for that. Thank you for answering all of my many, many questions. Thank you for being so generous with your time. It is very Many much times. appreciated. Thanks very much. I appreciate it.